Hi, Charlie, and we are continuing our series, Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders. And I'm very pleased today to have as my guest the president of the 2021 NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks, Peter Fagan. Peter? How are you? Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Have a busy day today, huh? It's a busy day. We've started the, uh, the movement on a, a, a massive trade and a, a fun chapter for the... Uh, for the organization that uh, that that includes a uh, a player from the Portland Trail Blazers and uh, hasn't been finalized, but my my hope and bet is that uh, we don't have to edit this out of the show and uh, <laughs> there's some good news as we go forward. Well, we're very pleased about that. So we'll we'll talk about the Bucks in just a minute, um, but we'll start with uh, uh, your early years, your growing up years. Um, so you were uh, grew up in Manhattan, Upper East Side. Mm -hmm. Went to uh, Brooklyn Heights School, uh, high school in Brooklyn Heights. Right. Played basketball. Yes. And I, you played with your brother, right? Did I have identical twin brother? Ah, and you were a thousand point scorer. I was. You got I mean, took up, a lot of shots. I was gonna say you got to yeah, jack up yes, a lot of shots to be yes. a thousand point scorer. Um, and your point guard. Kind of both, you know, Point identical twins right? in the backcourt, uh -huh. we could interchange, okay. kind of change uniforms at halftime with foul trouble, you know, we... Uh... <laughs> and my, uh, when um, you went to college at um, Franklin and Marshall in Lancaster, PA, played soccer there, captain of the soccer team. Yep. So yet that you're showing at early ages leadership abilities, point guard on the basketball team, and then captain of the soccer team. So talk about your early years, and... Uh, get us through to when you graduate from college? Yeah, I think, like, listen, grew up with, like, the advantage of having two great parents who were professionals, and my mom was, like, one of the preeminent advertising executives in, in, in New York City, in the world, you know, and as she went through life, and my dad had been in consumer products and cosmetics business mm -hmm. for our dinner tables were like osmosis, you know, to learn business right. and to kind of understand, so that was, like, a huge advantage to get in and, um, you know, just had an affinity and loved, you know, kind of what business was. And business to me was kind of always about the marketing and sales and right. revenue generation and having like a lot of fun to uh, get it. So I had a, had a really fun childhood. I have an older brother and my identical twin brother and my two parents. Went to high school in Brooklyn, went to college in Lancaster, had some great jobs, some really fun, fun jobs. And every job I had, I kind of was like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. Like, uh -huh. I could, I could. I, I could die now and be happy whether I was at Six Flags theme parks, at Madison Square Garden, at Marquee Jet and Net Jets, um, and really always took the opportunity and, and kind of in a diverse experience of just learning everything I could possibly learn about uh, about the world and collecting really good people. And uh, and as the leadership comes in, like always just had a, a, a real motivation to to, to want to manage, to want to be in charge, mm -hmm. to understand about teams and building great people around you and uh, and have a lot of fun. Okay. So you mentioned some of the places you've worked, very interesting places. You've also worked for and with some interesting people, especially Warren Buffett. So um, talk about the, the time between college and where you got to where you came here in 2014 to be with the Bucks. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would say just a, a really steep learning curve with unbelievable opportunities. I, I started at Six Flags theme parks and really kind of learned that business, which was entertainment retail, mm -hmm. you know, and understood promotions and, and, and driving. Had an unbelievable opportunity to go to Madison Square Garden where I ended up kind of running marketing, um, you know, in what I would call kind of the epicenter and large market yeah. of, of sports entertainment. Um, and then took like a big chapter and went into private aviation. You know, which again was about branding a luxury good and really kind of running an operation uh, in travel, and that kind of became a long ten plus year um, tenure where I where I finished kind of running the company uh -huh. as president. Really learned the operation side and how much I loved like the the kind of full operations of that. Had a, had a uh, went to McAndrews and Forbes and helped run a company called Deluxe Entertainment, which uh -huh. was another kind of interesting field of think of all the post-production of television movies and commercials and deluxe uh really kind of aggregated all these companies of post-production whether it was sound color special effects around the globe uh to service movie studios and ad agencies and uh and television studios and kind of learn that and then Lo and behold, there became this unbelievable opportunity where a group of New York owners were looking to buy the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, at the time, one of the owners, two of the owners were actually parents of the school that my identical twin brother is the head of school at. Oh, really? So, Where's uh, that? Trevor Day School in New York City. Okay. So they had known them, and uh, my brother suggested in a parent meeting, like, oh, you're going to go audit and go look at evaluating pro sports teams like you should talk to my brother he understands the P&L and like he wouldn't be one of your dorky actuary hedge fund private equity guys he would be like someone who could apologies to all my dorky educational yes. no, no, actuary no. friends respect total respect <laughs> and uh, I'm just not one of you yeah it's not too right. and uh, and it, that became kind of like before the bucks like for f five or seven years I would moonlight every once in a while and get to go on these unbelievable data room trips to pro teams which was like a fantasy wow. for me and sure. kind of like try to be additive to them evaluating a team and one day they asked like could you get to Milwaukee to go talk to Senator Cole and uh, see what this is and, and maybe 24 hours later we're like oh my goodness this is actually this is actually real this uh. could happen and that's kind of the short story of um you know how that did then I had no intention of of moving to Milwaukee and running I, my intention was to to help to help consult, find a great operating team, and right. and run it, and then in classic form, I kind of realized quickly what an opportunity this was, and just completely submarined any candidate with an opportunity, and like made myself the best right. available. Well, yeah. yeah, you have proven that to be true. Um, so you, it, it dovetails nicely into what I wanted to talk about next. Is so we're both from we grew up in big cities. So you're mm. New Yorker. You're DC. I'm DC. Yeah. I was lived there for about the first forty years of my life. So we grew up with subways, and we grew up with, you know, at what time it was cabs, but, you know, cabs and public transportation, and we didn't take our car everywhere, and we had all the big city amenities, you know, the sports teams and the culture and the uh, restaurants. And Milwaukee kind of is, is a small city, mid-size. Mid we've got sports teams. We've got baseball. We've got the NBA. We've got the culture. We've got... Summerfest, the large, largest music fair in the world, um, right down the road here. And we have a restaurant scene that's as good as any city that I've been to, including um, where I have my hometown. I mean, I, I love the food here. So talk about 
coming from a big city, living in a big city most of your life, and now um, assimilating here in Milwaukee? A complete dramatic transition. Right. You know, I think like everything from size, I think you say town, I would say a village, you know, compared to, yeah. you know, there are your existences, especially in a, in a, in a very, you know, um, um, pr prominent like social role in, in, in this town that you will see the same people right. over and over again. Like you talk about the restaurant scene. Yes. I mean, the truth is you could probably get to every restaurant. In Milwaukee, you I know, hear you, you have, but that's, yes, a, well, that's you, a, we'll talk about that you, in a minute. You couldn't get to it, and I, I think it's it's kind of like taking the best out of both. Like uh -huh. I love the the diversity, the volume, the energy, the never sleep of New York City, and then I've also learned to love like the livability, right. you know, the cost, Absolutely, the sure. the ability like to get down. I mean, I you know I sell this city every day now, Milwaukee. I want to be the the city's like best marketer and. And the, the ease of life is just so great. Like the, 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 the sense of community. You know, you talked a little bit about community and, and it's, you know, like you talk about the impact of a pro sports team on a platform like we have. You couldn't do that in a big city. Right. You couldn't really affect change like you can in a city this size to, to get it in. So it, it's this unbelievable opportunity, but completely different. And my wife and I always kind of say to ourselves like, Wow, what an unbelievable, how lucky we've been to really kind of experience really two dramatically different environments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We love it here. I've been here for about 13 years now. And, um, you know, other, you mentioned the cost. You know, D.C. is one of the more expensive places to live. Other than the cost, I'm not sure that I would move back. I love it here. Um, and, you know, from the, everything that we've talked about, it's a great place to, to, to be. Um, so you kind of talked about some of the things that I was was interested in the Bucks and the the transformation of the Bucks from a mid tier, small market NBA team into one of the elite franchises in the league, and one that's a contender year after year for a championship. So talk about that transformation and how it's had an effect uh, on the city here. Yeah, I would say it all starts from the top. So, you know, take ownership has always been very, like, adamant and direct about we will be the best. Right. Like, let's innovate, let's grow, let's literally set the gold standard. Like, the market size does not matter. Like, I will say we have, like, planned to be lucky, like, to have the Giannis effect and have a global superstar right. to help your hockey stick growth and getting it done. And, you know, an NBA team is a special thing. It's one of 30, you right. know, and it's a global sport. And it's got... You know, you are, the word Milwaukee across your jersey is broadcast in 215 countries, like every game you have. And, you know, we treat it like that. We treat it like, you know, who are our hundreds of millions of fans? How do we build affinity? How do Might we have a few them? more of the, the season. I think, I, think we, I think we've ratcheted, a rare way to ratchet it up. But, you know, for us, it, it, it's about taking this opportunity. And, and pro sports is so surreal because it yeah. hits... It, it's the emotional, you know, it's the psychological, it's the, it's the physical to get it and, and take an, a championship caliber team and really create that equity, like in the community, create it commercially, you know, and create it on a brand side that, you know, we want it to be unlike anything else. Like we want to be that global team. Like we think there's, and, and, and it's also setting like ridiculously high goals. So how do you how do you think surreal? How do you raise the bar? And right. why couldn't this team in Milwaukee be the irreverent, great 
symbol of NBA basketball around the world. Like, I don't know, easy. It should be. Sure. Yeah. Um, so talk about the, uh, the Deer District and the development there and what that has meant to the city. Yeah, I, th I think, like, an in, in easy point, how do we take this, this nucleus of an arena that has, you know, 150 events a year and build around it right. to really think about activating? So the interesting thing in Milwaukee and, like, the opportunity is we're able to acquire about 30 acres and there is no gathering space in the city of Milwaukee, like at Mass. Right. Like there just isn't. Like it gave you, it gave us this opportunity to fill of like how do we become a destination, not just for sports fans or tourists, or right. but how can we become an event destination? How can we become a social and entertainment destination to do it? How do you build this up? And and you know, in Final Vision, like a real vibrant neighborhood, you know, and and the incredible thing is the transformation. So you've lived here long enough to see, yeah. you know, kind of what the brownfields of surface parking and kind yes. of what this is. So to have this like chance and this opportunity to develop kind of like what was underdeveloped or not developed land in a major city in Milwaukee is just, um, so a simple strategy, like aggregate people, activate and like bring it like alive. And it's kind of another strength of sports. Like, right. you know, the brand and the strength of the Bucks like, helps accelerate that. Well, for those of you who out there who don't know, the Deer District is um, an area around the, the Fiserv Center, which has been open, like, five, six years now? Five-year five year birthday. Five this years. Year. Um, and during the championship uh, run, especially the championship series against Phoenix, there were 60,000, 70,000 fans in outside watching the game on a big screen TV in the Deer District, um, while there was you know sold out and twenty thousand inside, um, and that's one of my more enduring memories of the championship season is seeing that on TV. It was just it was cool, and but that doesn't happen without the development of the Deer District. Right. So that's great. Um, so let's talk about the work in the community for um, the Bucks. Now there's several players that have their own thing they are um, I shouldn't say their own thing but there's they're kind of out front they they're involved in things like affordable housing uh, reading and education and entrepreneurship uh, uh, granting money to uh, small disadvantaged businesses and there's also the Bucks Foundation um, and I think the Bucks Foundation is geared towards um, dealing with issues that the league has determined are important it's social justice and equity and um, education and, and, and um, reading. So talk a little bit about the, the Bucks Foundation and how that has helped impact in the community. Yeah, I think we stand for something, you know, number one. So we've got owners that feel like we've got this big responsibility as stewards of this brand that is really like owned by the community. And what does it mean? So whether it's healthcare, whether it's education, whether it's social justice, what are we going to get involved in? How is it measurable? How can we affect change? Right. Like in a big, so we really treat it, you know, kind of in in a process. Who do we pro? Who do we who do we partner with in a right. big way to kind of affect change? So so social justice for us is like it's not simple, but for us it's about fairness and equality. How do we how do we represent our players? Want to be a part of it? So sure. we happen to have, you know, a majority of African American males, you know, that are that that play, you know, in NBA basketball like what's important to them because they're actually the extension of the brand. They are the brand and the assets to, to go. So we've been involved in recidivism, like in, in whether it's in, in 
Wisconsin state prisons. We've been involved in education and literacy with Brooke Lopez, right. and uh, our long-term relationship with Freighter has extended way beyond like a sponsorship and really gotten into healthcare in like the disadvantaged areas. That reminds me. Do you do you know Wendell Willis? Very well. Wendell was on my show a long time. He's a good friend because I knew him from MPS. And uh, and when you said freighter to the bucks, I said, "Well, that's Wendell Willis. He's that's what he's done." Right. So yeah, Wendell is a is a great guy, and um, I, I know he's uh, he's been enjoying that that relationship, and um, he's he's been threatening to have me over to his house to have a barbecue. So I have to get back with him and get that taken care of. Take him up on it. Yeah, he's good. Um, so you're a known foodie. I think I'm a known eater. I don't know well, if that's called a foodie. I'm definitely, well, that's, that's yeah. what I call myself. Yeah. I'm a professional eater and an amateur chef. Um, but talk about um, some of your favorite places here. I've, I've been told by more than one, pe one person that you have been to just about every restaurant, some more than a couple definitely. times, and you can talk very eloquently on the, um, some of the better places. Let's talk about the ones that are not the... You know, the high end, the ones that people can go to every day and say, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a good meal. I'd go back there. Yeah, I, I mean, this is such a rich city and every, you know, I tell people, you know, when they ask me where to go to lunch, you know, I say, oh, that's easy. Like, go to Elsa's or the Mason Street Grill because there's never a bad meal. It's right. a 100 percenter. Like, there are very few 100 percenters, like, in, in it and kind of variety of menu. When I, when we talk about dinner, my wife and I are empty nesters, so, like, we mm -hmm. love the opportunity to go and you know you talk about the high end of the birches or the or the carnivores and kind of what is like a special to you know listen I spend a lot of my mornings at the counter at the at the cafe at the plaza oh you know, yeah. oh one of my favorite places so so you know Peter the cook there is like they're open at seven big guy it's yeah yeah it's it's like a real breakfast place oh and, yeah you know to to get it uh, I mean I've probably like lived and and you know Gino Calderon has you know. Fed me like a good portion of my existence, you know, here in <laughs> here in Milwaukee. Um, you know, and and you know, you've got the Bartolotta groups, you know, the Harbor House and what they do. You know, that they're, they're really kind of in all these different you know genres. I say, right. you know, what do you like? How do you have? I can I can I could literally recommend kind of the best of the best, and they're just unbelievable experiences. And yeah. from the service to the food quality to to the chefs we've got in this town. Right. I mean, you know. You, you talk about Iris and um, Loopy and Iris, Loopy and Iris, right. and kind of what you know, kind of like one of the new you know kind of uh, arrivals on it, and like you know another restaurant that can compete with any restaurant in any city in the right. world. Right. Not like you know, not doing so. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan. I mean, and then like I would just have to say you know probably for my own when I'm alone and I I have a day or do anything, I'm probably either ordering out or at the bar at Saferos like having a pizza. So, you know, that's kind of like if I had heaven, uh, it would be like far well, you yeah, eating 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 a pizza myself and at the bar watching like whatever game they've got on. I coached Michael Severo on yeah. baseball. God has gone he's gotta be in, in college or out by now. Um, yeah, that was one of my favorite places. All right. So we call this uh, serious people with serious jobs having a little fun. So we're gonna have a little fun day. We're gonna do some cooking. Um, I think we kind of landed on um, making a, uh, a dish from the menu of the Mecca, which is in the Deer District, as we've already talked about. Um, and uh, I've had it. So it, it's a very simple 
meal. We're going to put it together. Um, if, I'm assuming you've had it. I've made it. I've had it. Oh, you've My made it. My son worked at the cluckery. Oh, did he? Like we're, I'm very vested in in our cluckery business that's uh, ordering. We, we, we make... Well, I'm going to have you do it. I'm we, just going to watch. We make... <laughs> we make the cluckery and, and the Mecca chicken in the arena as well. Um, if nobody's aware, chicken is the is by far the largest consumed concession in in the world these days. Yes. Like chicken owns the world. So I am consumed by the quality and how good our chicken is because it usually equates to a large uh, portion of, cons of consumer happiness and fan appreciation. So. All right, well, we've done a little bit of prep work, so give us a minute to set up, and then we're going to marinate the chicken. We're going to make the mecca sauce, which goes on the, the chicken sandwich, and then we're going to fry them, and then we're going to, I guess we have to eat them. I'm definitely, I haven't eaten, so I'm definitely oh. going to eat them. Oh, there we go. Yes. That's what I like to hear. I had, my lunch was about that big, so, so. we were both thinking. All right, so give us a minute, we'll be right back. All right, so I want you to check out Peter's uh, chef's coat, with his name and the Bucks logo on it. That's pretty cool. Peter, I'm going to give you a... Give you an apron. We give all our guests an apron. You come out and you take time out of your day, especially on a very busy day like today. Uh, you can make some good food and then you get an apron. That's the way it goes. Alright, so um, we're just going to marinate the chicken. It's very simple. Uh, they're chicken tenders that we're using. Just open this up. And we're going to uh, put the marinade in there. So it's, just, it's a buttermilk marinade. Um, so, so that's a cup of buttermilk. Put that in. And then we've got a bunch of spices, which include uh, salt, garlic powder, paprika, and then pony uh, chicharres, uh, Creole seasoning. It's supposed to sit for about an hour. So um, we'll put that in the fridge. Roll it around a little bit. There we go. All right. And then we're going to move over and make the mecca sauce. All right. So Peter's going to make the mecca sauce, which we put on top of the um, chicken sandwich. So we'll put it all in the blender? Yeah, we'll put it all in the blender and blend it up. So we've got, okay. we've got some sour cream. We're supposed to put about a cup in. And this um, is a well, fourth? You can pretty pretty much put most of that in because that's almost a, a oh. full cup. It's it's 16 ounces. We're supposed to use 8 ounces. So my University of Maryland math says oh, you're pretty tarp? close. Oh, you're tarp? yeah. So we've got sour cream. This is the base of most good sauces is sour cream and mayo. Okay. So <laughs> there's the mayo oh, down the here. Mayo? We got about three quarters of a cup of mayonnaise. Got three chipotle peppers. Toss them in with the juice. There we go. And then we got a spice blend. That's a combination of. We'll have everything in the in the description. But garlic powder, uh, onion powder, salt, and dill. And that's going to go in. All right. And, and a little lime juice. And we squeeze a little lime juice in. Blend it up. Any preference on the button? Nah. Okay. Whatever gets it. Alright. Good? Yeah, just pour it in that uh, sure. that very expensive yes. Waterford bowl that's cut glass. Probably got it at Target for three bucks. So this is our mecca sauce. This goes, we're drizzle this on top of the chicken sandwich. And now we're going to fry the tenders. Alright, now Peter's going to bread the chicken so we're going to put together the breading which is that's a cup and a half of flour and then we've got a bunch of spices and baking baking powder and then that's a, about a cup of panko breadcrumbs so we're going to use a fork to kind of stir that around and get it where we want and then we're going to start breading the chicken so that'll use that'll be our base 
So that's uh, about three tablespoons of buttermilk. Do the same thing with the fork, just kind of gets a little clumpy here and there. To have the uh, oil bead at arm's length. Oh, I can do this because that's, um, I get them all over my fingers. Ready? Yep. All right. Big dip. All right, here we go. Very exciting. Baby, come on. There we go. Everybody in the pool. A little messy, but. Do we have to flip these? Oh, uh, yeah, we should. Nice and crispy. Look at that one. Like a little pan here with a, a stainless steel uh, strip. So once we turn them and take them off, we'll just put them on that. All right, so we're going to continue frying these. And then we're going to move on. We're going to, we have some buns over here to toast because the Becca serves toasted buns with the cluckery chicken sandwich. So we'll be back um, to finish that up. All right, so here's the chicken. So we're going to get ready to put those. <laughs> Peter with his Vanna White impression. Um, so we're going to toast some buns. Then we're going to put the sandwiches together. And we're going to sit down and eat. All right, here we are. This is the cluckery chicken sandwich from the Mecca, served with a little bit of coleslaw. And so Peter, tell us we got Mecca sauce. We got the slaw, we've got some pickles to take just that perfect sour and salt mixture in. The chicken tenders are per cooked perfectly. The buns are toasted, a little smidge of butter. This is ready. All right. Yep, well, nothing left to do. Oh, and here's the Mecca sauce in case we need extra, which I may. All right, time for a bite. This is a big old sandwich. Mm. Oh, mackerel sauce, never heard of it. No, no, I'm a, I'm a dipper, so. Go for it. Well, while we digest our sandwiches, I really have to thank Peter, because this is, this was truly a very busy day in his work life, um, and for him to take time out and come here and hang out and make some sandwiches and um, talk about uh, his background and the, the, the box and the work in the community. So it just, it's really, very uh, nice of you. I never do appreciate that. So, oh my God. Much. The best. So much fun. You have the greatest reputation. Everybody said this would be a no-brainer and really fun. Yes, no tough questions. And like, I, I got to eat right. one of my favorite meals. So well, that's, I mean, that's. Yeah, it's, it's you, you, we won. I appreciate that. Um, so I, yeah. This is an easy thing for me to do because people worry about the food. Food always takes care of itself. It's it's talking to people about the work in the community and their backgrounds and how we got from you know growing up on the east side, uh, upper east side of New York to um, making a, a, a medium sized middle of the road NBA team into a perennial contender. So um, I'm very pleased that you're here today, of all days. Um, so, thanks so much. So, we're going to have a few more bites. Mm. Mm. That's real good. That's great. I think I got some mecca sauce on my, my lip there. It's good to have a screen. You can see the sauce. I, I would have it on for hours. <laughs> so, thanks again for all your support. Please like and subscribe. Um, these The series, Cooking with Community Leaders, is um, an important one for me because I get to meet and talk with people who are... Um, leaders in the community, both some on a high level, and we have a lot of people down at the grassroots level who are affecting change on a daily basis. So, um, really appreciate everyone's time here, and I always appreciate getting a good meal. So, um, 
Thanks again, Peter. Appreciate it. And as always, thanks for watching. Go Bucks! Absolutely, go Bucks! Thanks for listening to another episode of Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders. Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders is brought to you by Cooking Secrets for Men, LLC, and was recorded in the Third Ward in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We feature and profile community leaders who are trying to make Milwaukee a better place. The tagline is, serious people with serious jobs having a little fun. Our guests choose the recipes that we use on the show. All of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get great podcasts. The original YouTube video for this episode is available on our YouTube channel, Cooking Secrets for Men, All Rights Reserved. Thanks, and see you next time on Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders.